0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for booking your flight through Study Abroad Airlines. My name is Brittany, and I will be your Study Abroad advisor. Your phone should be set on podcast mode. Please sit back and enjoy your flight. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Warriors Abroad from Stan State's Study Abroad podcast. I am both your host and Study Abroad Ambassador, Clarissa. Today's guest is a professor here at Stan, and she will talk about her past experience living and teaching abroad. So please introduce yourself.
1: Hi, um, my name is Karen Sandarsky. I'm a lecturer in the English department at Stanislaus, and um, I think this is my eighth year teaching in at Stanislaus. In the summer of 2019, I taught in Chengdu, China. I was there for six weeks, but I taught for four weeks. Originally, I went back to school as an adult, and I went back to school because teaching abroad was kind of like my retirement plan you know in air quotes but I thought oh I'll get uh, an English degree and that I could travel the world and teach wherever I want so that was my original plan still kind of sort of my plan but uh, teaching abroad was like my way to kind of like dip my toes into that plan and see if I liked it and what the experience was like it was wonderful it was a wonderful experience (laughs) yeah so I mentioned that um My class was for four weeks. I taught teaching English as a foreign language. Mm -hmm. Uh, My master's degree is in a TESOL concentration. TESOL stands for teaching English to speakers of other languages. And so occasionally here, I teach some of the TESOL classes, but not very often here at Stanislaus. So this was kind of an opportunity to use my degree. And
0: so how did you make it happen? Like, how did you get yourself to start? doing all the paperwork to actually be okay,
1: yeah. let's do this. Honestly, Brittany was the one who, <laughs> who got me to do it. She had come and done presentations in my classes and she was like, just do it. Stop, stop waiting for the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I did. I'm like, you know, I don't have anything to lose other than filling out the application. So, so I filled out the application. The application process wasn't too hard because it was a class... That was pretty similar to what I had taught at Stanislaw. So that wasn't a lot a lot different. I went through USAC and they had a lot of structure and support for visiting professors as far as the application process, as far as like where to apply and how to like construct a course that's going to fit into the different programs that they have. Um, so it really wasn't, I don't remember it being super time consuming. I think the hardest thing and the process was recruiting students um, because part of my, my obligation as a visiting professor was to make sure that the class had students in it. So I had to go around and do class presentations and and that was just hard I mean it, it was not that easy to say hey let's all go to China together yeah um I did end up with one student who went with me though and I think that was really neat. I I was really glad that he was there so
0: yeah that's good to have like a supportive structure and everything yeah,
1: yeah the the structure was awesome I could talk forever about the yeah. yeah.
0: I think personally me I need I'm someone who needs organization and everything So having planned out and having like another resource to turn to, Mm -hmm. probably helpful.
1: Don't know if this is one of your questions later on, but that was one of the things that was really important to me. It was the very first time I'd ever been out of the country and China was really intimidating. And USAC had an onsite director and an onsite assistant director who they showed me around town. They took me out to dinner. They helped us learn how to use the subway. The support was awesome. I took my family with me, I took my kids, and they invited my kids to the classes, even though they hadn't formally signed up, which might've been a no-no, but it was just, I mean, the support that USAC provided. Oh, and then that too, we were there in the summer of 19 when the protest in Hong Kong was going on and Hong Kong airport closed the day before I was supposed to go home. And my director helped me reroute my flights and made sure that I got home on time. Um, yeah, Ustack just provided so much support for anything that could have happened. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah, it was awesome.
0: So you kind of touched on it, but how was your relationship with the like your fellow teachers, both lore, local and foreign as well?
1: Yeah, so... Um, the only other teachers that I knew were the directors of the program. I think I was the only visitor, per, visiting professor that was there during that time. Um, and But it was really great. We did travel some and we met the USAC group that was in Shanghai. We all met in Beijing. And so that was really neat to kind of see the different cultures of different cities in China and talk to people about how the cultures are a little bit different. Shanghai is... I think the biggest city in the world. Um, and so the people there are much more maybe type A personality oh. where uh, Chengdu is really kind of um, known for its laid back lifestyle. And so it was interesting to meet people from different parts of the country and kind of compare what they thought about their city and, and the way people behave based on the culture of the city.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. Um, So can you explain your classroom experience, such as the students, classroom dynamic, the curriculum, Mm -hmm. all that?
1: So I had, um, I only had four students in my class, and they were four American students from all over the country. One was my former student from Santa Claus, and then um, one from Miami, Maryland, and Washington. Because it was only four students, I really, like, needed something to make the class interesting. It's hard to teach a class that small. So I was really lucky that I was able to set up like a service learning opportunity for the students. Mm -hmm. And we worked with a local Chinese language school. And in my class, the students learned like the science of language learning and they learned how to write lesson plans. And then they went to the Chinese language school and delivered the lesson plans. Um, So it worked out really neat. Um, And then they came back and we would all kind of share experiences and um, kind of workshop the lesson, like what went well, what didn't go well. All of the students wanted to be teachers. So they were really invested in the developing lesson plans and they loved the opportunity to like deliver the lesson plans. So it went well. Curriculum, like I said, based on the science of language learning And I didn't develop a whole lot of new curriculum. It was a lot of what I teach at the class here at Stanislaus. So that was nice. The one thing I had to get used to in the classroom was kind of the lack of technology. So, and the internet there is is really different. They, um, They monitor the internet and it's tethered and you go through an ISP and then it's super slow if you're going through, if you go through a third party instead of going through China's firewall so um yeah so i had to kind of because i teach with a lot of technology here so i had to get used to like lecturing (laughs) not talking fast and uh talking so that people could take notes and and Mm -hmm. things like that so that was probably the hardest part of the classroom experience um but it was nice to have a small group that was like really like oh we're gonna be teachers so let's Mm -hmm. practice being teachers
0: that's good to have like the lecture that dynamic also split up with them doing like hands-on learning and then discussion about how it went too yeah it just gets
1: tedious yeah it really was a great experience so and I stay in touch with the students um when I stay in real close touch with I think that was probably my favorite thing is the relationship that I developed with the students because it was such a small class
0: <laughs> um we're really close so yeah so since you were a professor what was your housing situation
1: yeah, so again, because I was in China and it was the first time I had traveled out of the country, I was really nervous about all of that. And UStack um, set me up in a furnished apartment on campus. Um, the campus was so amazing; I, I don't even know how to describe it. But I mean, it was huge, and they had these huge high-rise apartments. It's it's hard to like imagine what China is like without having been there. Um, but they had a whole bunch of apartments and we lived in one of the apartments. Um, like I said, I took my kids with me. So my daughter and her boyfriend who were 20 at the time, and then my son who was 16, I guess they were 19 and 16 at the time. Um, so we had a little two bedroom apartment. It was, it was great. We lived right outside of a Tibetan neighborhood. So the college, the university was in a Tibetan neighborhood and that was interesting Tibet is a minority population uh, within China. They would like to be an independent nation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so China is a lot stricter and harsher with the freedoms for the Tibetan population. So there was a lot of police presence in our neighborhood, which was it was just hard to get used to. It was hard to like walk off campus and, and see guards outside. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't, it was just, I think it was just different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um and there were there were parts of China, well, actually everywhere in China, there's video cameras and there's microphones everywhere. And you're told when you get if the airplane that every conversation is a public conversation that the government has a mm-hmm. right to listen to. Um so you know that going into it. And sometimes that was that was difficult, and sometimes it was just what it was. Um, but other places we would go in china there was not that same police presence so but the the apartment was wonderful and there was um there's a little grocery store and we would walk down and get ice cream every night and the tibetan food was oh you were there um, with the humidity right oh my gosh the heat so everybody would say, oh, it's it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. I'm like, no, no, I've lived in the Midwest. I know what humidity is like. It was like living in the jungle. It was like nothing I could have prepared for. And it would like pour just like buckets and buckets of rain all morning. And then you would come up and there'd just be like steam rising up from the, the crowd. Um, how was the language experience? So the language experience was rough. It was probably the hardest part of the trip because first, I was just really unprepared Mm -hmm. for what to expect. I had been told that everybody in China learns English, Mm -hmm. and when they see a foreigner, they will want to practice their English, Mm -hmm. and that was not true. Mm -hmm. um most people do learn English but they learn how to read and write English and they're very very shy about talking about speaking in English Mm -hmm. um and if somebody found out I was teacher that would like shut down the conversation right away I would never ever tell anybody I was a teacher (laughs) because then they feel like somebody's judging their English Mm -hmm. so the language was hard a lot of places had um the Mandarin characters and like the subways had English and Mandarin characters, so you could navigate, travel that way. But like if I wanted to take a taxi, I had to use Google Translate and then like show it to them and hope that they would read it properly. Um, so that was rough. We traveled once and I was being all like brave and confident. We, I had like three stops and I was making kind of this triangle. So We got to, we went from Chengdu to Kunming and that was great, I loved, I loved the city of Kunming Um, and then we were supposed to go to two other cities in Kunming and I brought my tickets while I was there, but she either misunderstood where I wanted to go or whatever, but I knew that it was like a four-hour train ride. So we get on the train, we're going for four hours. We were supposed to go up in the mountains. So I knew it was supposed to be cool. And we get off the train and it's super, super hot. And I'm like, oh no, something's wrong here. (laughs) We had got off in this little tiny village in the middle of nowhere. And we were four hours away from where we had started four hours by bullet train from where we had started. And there was no, nobody spoke English. It was just this really, really tiny village. Finally, somebody in line at the train station, a young man heard me speaking and he got out of line. He was so sweet. He (laughs) got us tickets to the nearest big city. Um, And so... And then he made sure we got on the train. He made sure we got off the train, that we got to a hotel in the big city. I mean, he was awesome. Um, but um, it was really, really scary. I'll be honest. I was terrified. <laughs>
0: yeah, I would have been freaked out yeah, too. Yeah.
1: So language was hard. And then like going out to eat was hard. One of my daughter or my daughter is vegan. And uh that doesn't really exist in a lot of other countries, this idea of being vegan. and so that was really hard for her. Uh, but you would go out to eat and not necessarily be able to read the menu and kind of have to look at pictures and maybe guess what it was. um that was rough. But it was also I guess also on the on the scale of being rough, it was also sometimes really lonely because mm-hmm. you couldn't just, talk to somebody. Um, I remember once we went to uh, Xi'an, which is where the Terracotta Warriors are, Mm -hmm. and we stayed in a hostel. I was leaving the hostel and the man who owned it said, Have a good day, Karen. Don't uh, make sure to drink lots of fluids or something because it was super hot. And it was like the first time I'd heard somebody say my name in like weeks (laughs) and weeks, like just like this random, "Hey, Karen," and I like stopped. It was like, oh my gosh, somebody said my name. So it could be really lonely. Again, I think a lot of it was that I wasn't prepared, that I had unrealistic expectations, that I didn't have to learn the language and I should have, I should have learned better. (laughs) So one of the other things as far as language goes too, is one of my students, a student that I'm still really close to, Mm -hmm. he was a Chinese history minor, and he was almost fluent in Mandarin, Mm -hmm. and so we ended up traveling a lot together, um, and we would go out to eat together a couple nights a week, and, and then he would Order for me and and make sure we got, you know, on the taxi or the plane or whatever. That was just a great experience. He was just this really wonderful young man, and it was so neat to like learn from him as my student, like he was learning from me. Um, So he would. He would try to teach me how to say things um, or he would critique the way I said, you know, mm-hmm. no bag or no thing, you know, things that I'd say. He's like, nobody <laughs> can understand you because you're not saying it right. Oh my gosh. But yeah, it was neat because we would go like to museums and stuff and he would be able to read, read things. And it really, that enhanced the experience. And it yeah. totally changed my experience as we got closer and closer. So
0: That is good. Yeah. We <laughs> used a language guide. Yeah. So how do you think being at the host university impacted your teaching and long-term career Mm
1: -hmm.
0: or just your Um, mindset overall?
1: Yeah so teaching itself I think it really helped me think more about how I form relationships with people and with students Um, and I know that that when you teach you have to maintain some professional distance but I think that now I'm I don't want to say I'm much more myself in the classroom, but I'm much more okay with that professional distance being blurry, Um, you know, not being this hard and fast line that I can't cross over, that I can't eat with my students, or I can't, you know, go have coffee with my students. The year that I got back so like fall of 2019 that was something that I changed and I told all my students like hey I'm having lunch in main dining at this time if you ever want to come talk about the class or you ever just want to come talk, I will be there, and a lot of students would come and it was like this really great time to like form relationships with people that might have maintained this more professional relationship that became more, you know, I don't want to say personal because it's still not quite that personal relationship, but it really changed the way I think about forming relationships with students. And then long-term career, you know, if it if it hadn't been for COVID, I'm sure that I would have been back somewhere before now. And then during COVID, I started my doctorate and so I, you can't really do that and travel at the same time. I finished my doctorate in May, and I am applying. Yeah, you know, thanks. Yay! Yeah, yay! I am applying. Like I applied for a job in Hong Kong, and I'm working on an application for a job in Korea. They're kind of long shot. One of my former students now is teaching in in Germany, and and uh, he keeps talking about that. I should I should explore things like that. You know, short term go, go teach somewhere short a term. So it's definitely on my list of, of things I want to do so
0: bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try and teach abroad for a little bit before I come back and either oh, you should. or master's program. I don't know. Yeah. Yet.
1: I think it really enhances the students that I've known that have, have, um, taught abroad and then come back and do their masters have so much more like depth of experience to pull on that they're able to combine with their with their academic knowledge Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah I do I do think it definitely teach like pushes you academically and like career-wise but also just like as a person I think you grow Mm -hmm. a lot whenever you go abroad on your own yes yeah where did you travel to um I went to Korea for a semester
1: nice
0: so I think it definitely did change me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You kind of touched on it too, but what was different teaching abroad in China
1: versus here at Stan State? It's hard to compare because China was just such a really different situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was such a small class and it was a short class. I think that if I taught, like, I guess I've taught some summer classes in, at Stanislaus that were like six or seven students. So mm-hmm. there, there is that where there's some similarities It's really hard to compare. And I don't think I had a really kind of like normal teaching experience because it was such a small class. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, when I look at like university jobs now, it's it would be much more similar to like my teaching load that I have at Stanislaus. So it's hard to say how they're different and how they're the same. Cause they're just like not on parallel levels. <laughs> yeah.
0: So how did your experience abroad affect you as a person?
1: One of the things I noticed when I was in China was again, kind of that desire to have relationships with people at home. I'm, 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 I'm really an introvert. And I always say it takes me a long time to make friends. Um, that I don't like warm up to people really fast. I don't know if it was because it was a totally different place where I could like just be anybody I wanted. Um, I I feel like I made friends right away, and and like lifelong friends and people that that I know and I trust. Um, and so that was that was the biggest like learning experience for me was like, man, I could, I can make friends, I can like open up and meet people, um, and, and be whoever I want. I mentioned the student that I was really close to. He introduced me to a friend of his, a couple of friends of his who were Chinese. Um, and I got really close to those ladies. And so it was just really neat to be like, oh, I've only been here six weeks and I have these people who are now like lifelong friends. So, um, and I, and now I think about, you know, how, how I like put myself out there in social situations or don't <laughs> and, and why I make those choices. So <laughs> I think that's, what's really changed me the most.
0: Such a nice like experience to see like your growth and then also be aware of it. So what do you miss most from teaching abroad? What were
1: some of the best memories or activities you did? The food, um, <laughs> the Chinese food. And, and I knew when I was there, the Chinese food in China is not like the Chinese food in America, and it's the best food I have ever had in my entire life. Um, I I went out to dinner a couple of weeks ago uh, at a Chinese restaurant in Riverbank, and I knew that the lady was was from China, and so I asked her. I said, "Hey, I'm looking for these green beans that I had in Beijing," and I tried to describe them to her, and she's like, "No, we don't have those here." <laughs> No. Um, and I've thought about going to like um like Chinatown and in San Francisco and stuff. And I, I just never have, but the food was just amazing. The food was was incredible. I miss the ability to travel so easily. Like I taught, what did I teach? tuesday wednesday thursday and so i had friday saturday sunday monday off every week and which was an amazing teaching schedule but we would get on a train friday morning and cross the country and spend three days in a different part of the country and just see things and here it's you know you can't i mean and that that's the equivalent of like Oh, I'm going to go to Montana for the weekend, or oh, I'm going to spend the weekend in Chicago. You can't travel like that here, um, and you you can there. Um, the other thing that I loved about China was the history of, of the country. You we would go to a town and stand on a bridge that was you know 1500 years old, and you like you walk across this bridge with these carvings and these statues, and you're just you are in history. Um, <laughs> and so I, I really miss seeing that. And I love to go like to museums and, and to go to like historical towns and stuff like that, but nothing here is more than 200 years old. Yeah. And, and there the culture and the, like the historical culture, it's just, it's, it's so ingrained in their everyday life. It's, it's everywhere there. So I miss that a lot too. And then, um, I miss the Chinese friends that I made. Um, it's hard to communicate once you leave the country because of the way they monitor communications. Um, they don't have, they, they have like most social media is banned. So there's no Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. There's like a state sponsored social media um, app. And once you leave the country, it's harder to use it um so so I miss that and then one of my friends is is Uyghur and I don't know if you're familiar with the Uyghur situation in China but they're also a minoritized group um and there's a lot of human uh, human rights abuses um in their province and I always think about her and wonder how she's doing and where she's at and you know things like that so
0: so I miss that yeah I know technology is so useful to keep in touch with people but then there's still restrictions and everything
1: yeah 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 and I think that was an interesting thing I think really for my kids it was interesting to try to get used to not used to not having technology but the idea that there was always somebody there monitoring your technology uh your technology usage so yeah
0: and then so for the last question do you recommend studying rod or teaching rod? do you have any advice
1: yes yes, I recommend it. Um, I think my first piece of advice is just like to get over your fears and go do it. Um, and that's not easy to say. I mean, that's not easy to do. It's so much easier to say than than to actually do. Yeah. Just step out of your comfort zone and do something different and, and take a chance. Um, I know that for students who study abroad, I would recommend like pursuing all of the scholarships that are available. Um, I have heard that scholarships oftentimes go unused because people don't apply for them. Wow. Um, but I would also really encourage like anybody to do study abroad. And this was kind of an interesting dynamic that I saw, like the whole UStack group that was there. There were some students there that were, that were really wealthy um, that In fact, the student that I got to be really good friends with, he he said, I never have a budget. I I asked my parents for money and and they send me money and he had never had a job in his life. Um, I know. I know. You have to imagine. Um, And he said, occasionally, my parents will say, say, well, you're not supposed to spend so much money because, you know, your sister needs some, too. But they never didn't send him money. But then I had other students who were on a budget um, who did have to think about you know, where they went and how often they ate out and things like that, but I don't think that their experience was any less impactful than the students who were really wealthy. I, I saw them form the same type of relationships. I saw them, you know, doing the same type things, and so I think that sometimes we think, oh, we can't afford to go do things like this, that uh, I, think, I think you just kind of have to think about like, how can I make this happen? In what ways can I make this happen? So um my son that went with me is is currently in Mexico and he's not studying abroad in Mexico. He took a semester off to go to Mexico with a friend. But I don't know that he would have done it if we hadn't come to China already. Um, and um, uh, you know, he's on a budget and he's he's watching what he's spending, but he made some plans, he saved money, you know, for six months so he could go and um So that's neat for me to see like how it impacted my kids too. Um, But I definitely recommend that idea of like stepping out of your comfort zone, pushing yourself to do something that might be kind of scary. And, and it really does become life-changing. So, and then as far as teaching abroad, kind of that same type thing that, man, it's, it's just such an amazing experience that that I would really encourage anybody you know to do it again to do it so that it it changes the way you think about like again for, for me it was the way I think about relationships in the classroom and outside of the classroom and it was so rewarding so yeah and then so rewarding to see how it impacted my kids now yeah it's been good it was a great experience great experience
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us and telling us about your experience. I hope listeners who are planning to study abroad or people who just love to travel, learn something new today, and are inspired to travel somewhere exciting. If you're interested in learning more about how to study abroad with Stan State, please go to our website at eie.csustan.edu slash studyabroad, or feel free to email us or DM us at studyabroad at csustan.edu. Thank you for flying with Study Abroad Airlines. We hope you enjoyed your flight. If you have a connecting flight, you can find them at eie.csustan.edu slash studyabroad or email us at study underscore abroad at csustan.edu.